You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. If you haven't heard of Axe Church before, we are a church in Camas, Washington. You can check us out at axecamas.org. You can see what we're about and what we're up to. We're glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy the sermon. The passage I'm going to launch into is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And many of you are probably familiar with it. And it basically reads, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it mentions anxiety. Another other translations mention, say, it's worry. So this must be something that we deal with. And what I want to do today is I want to offer to you the things that I use to help me in my journey of faith. And then I have one really cool story that that took place at Starbucks this week because I'm there quite a bit. But it was actually one of those moments where you go, this is a Holy Spirit moment. And I don't use that lightly. So as we go forward, notice here in the scriptures, it says, be anxious for nothing and then then give everything over the Lord by prayer and supplication. But look at verse seven. What's the promise? The promise is the peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which in the worldly sense doesn't make any sense, but yet will guard us. And what I want to do this morning is I want to show you a, a diagram of which really helps me as I think through why do I face the certain things that I face. Let's start with the foundation. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Of course, I think everyone is, but this one stands out this morning. Philippians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, my dear brothers whom I long for, joy and my victor's crown, this is how you must stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Judea and, you got to help me here, Syntyche, I said that wrong. Someday when I meet her, she'll probably remind me of that. To have the same attitude in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true partner, to help these women. They have worked hard with me to advance the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, I'm not going to touch on the fact that these two sisters were having possibly some issues. But do you notice that at the end, I bolded the book of life. Folks, what is the gospel? If we go to Colossians 2, 12 through 15, this is one aspect of the gospel. When you were buried with the Messiah in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. Even when you were dead because of your offenses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with him when he forgave us all our offenses having erased the charges that were brought against us along with their obligations that were hostile to us. He took the charges away and he nailed them to the cross. And when he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made public spectacle of them, triumphant over them in the cross. The foundation of dealing with anxiety, folks, is we must remember the joy of our salvation. I hold in my hand a piece of paper, and you can imagine this. Everything that you have ever done, everything you have ever thought, anything, 
that goes against the law of God. Imagine it written on this piece of paper. Yours may be this long, mine would be just a little bit longer. And what did Jesus do on the cross? He took every charge against us. And, and make no mistake, folks, they were real charges. We were guilty before we knew Christ. Does that make sense? Real. And what did he do? He nailed them to the cross. And on it is the words paid for. And then he disarmed the rulers and the authorities, the demons, the fallen angels, and anyone who might make accusation against you if you are in Christ, and they don't stand up. We, if you know Jesus Christ, now if you don't, those charges are real. We've all done things. But if you know Jesus Christ and he is Lord and your Savior, do you understand that there is nothing that will separate you from the love of God? Nothing. If we remember that, if I remember that, that I have fellowship with God, then it begins to put things in perspective. When I wake up tomorrow morning, Am I right with God? Yes, I may have to confess and repent some things as I work out my relationship, but my sins have been what? Forgiven. Man, I don't know about you, but that's good news. Anybody agree with me on that? And by the way, I know the things that I have done have been real. The cross took care of it. So the foundation is forgiveness in God completely. You can't earn it. He gives it freely for those who put their faith and trust in him. The second thing that I look at and I try to remember is the glory. Is the future. But as it is written, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, but as it is written, no eye has seen nor ear heard. And no mind has imagined the things that God has prepared for those who love them. Look. You take your best day. You take the most beautiful place you have ever been in. And heaven is better than that. You take anything that the artists have written, sung, or made movies about. And heaven is what? Better than that. We have no idea what God has prepared. Now, if you think about it, has he made a pretty beautiful world? It's fallen, but has he made some pretty spectacular stuff? That's just the tip of the iceberg. So for me, as I deal with dealing with anxiety and sometimes dealing with depression, as I want to go into that dark place, I try to remember two things. Number one, I am forgiven. That's the foundation. I am secured with God. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If anyone thinks that you've done something that God cannot forgive, come talk to me afterwards. And then I try to remember the future. This, our shadow lands, in the words of C.S. Lewis. God has prepared something. So I try to remember those two things, the foundation and the future. Now the question comes in, what goes on in the middle? 
on this life on earth. The first thing before I get to the third section is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in the Messiah, he is a new creation. Old things have disappeared. Look, all things have become new. We are a new creature in Christ. That happened at salvation. So now I want to talk about the glorious role of faith. You and I have the opportunity, the opportunity to know God on a level that even the angels long to look. And God has chosen. Look what he's chosen to do. He's chosen to save us, give us a new creation, a new spirit, and yet has he left us for a time in these, walking through a fallen world. Yes? And we face many different things. Why would he do this? Wouldn't it be just, I mean, if you think about it, could he have chosen that once you get saved, you're, dis- you're gone, you disappear? Could he have done it that way? Could he have? But he chose not to do it that way. I have long asked God, why? Have anybody ever in here ever asked, have questions that you like, why God? Has anybody ever had those? I have. Why do we go through the things that we do? I believe that there is something so significant happening that I'm thankful that God would do it no other way. You see, when I get anxious, I break out in a hive right here. And I break out in hives right here when I do. My body is saying, you are anxious about something. And then I have to stop myself and I have to think, number one, I'm a child of God. Number two, my future is a glorious future. But now I can add, why am I going through this? This is, my, this is my struggle. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by what? We live by what? Faith, not by what? Not by sight. And then James 1, 2 through 4, as I get ready to explain this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you are involved in various trials. First of all, have you, anybody ever struggled over that one? Consider it pure what? Joy. I'm going to go through something and I'm going to consider it pure what? What's the normal reaction? Run, right? And yet the scriptures are consider it pure what? Joy. My brothers, when you are involved in various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But you must let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in what? And I believe what this scripture is teaching is why God has chosen to do these things. Now, Today's topic is dealing with anxiety and depression, and it, it could be anything. It could be any fight against sin. It could be, it could be anger. It could be anything. Why did, did God allow this? I want to tell a story of this picture of a man and his dog. Earlier, I mentioned what happened at Starbucks. I was preparing this message 
um, in the last couple of weeks. And yesterday, I actually, okay, I go to Starbucks a lot to prepare for school, and there's a set of regulars that go there, and I'm being one of them. If I don't show up, they call 911. Just kidding, but <laughs> I mean, I walk in and the, and the coffee's poured. I have my own seat. I mean, I'm just, in a way, if you ever saw the TV show Cheers, I'm Norm, because Norm's cooler than Cliff, so please don't call me Cliff. And I, you know, I'm sitting there, and there's, a, there's three gentlemen that come up, and you know what they actually do? They run internationally um, the licensing for worship songs. So the songs that we play and everything like that, they have their hands to deal with it. They've got offices in South Africa, Australia, you know, South Korea, and we sort of and they're three believers, and we sort of strike up a conversation. And yesterday, one of them showed up because his wife is out of town, so he was there on a Saturday. I'm going, you're here on a Saturday. This is weird. And he goes, you're here on a Saturday. This is not weird. And, um, <laughs> and he started explaining where his wife is. I go, why is your, your wife's out of town for two weeks? That's a long time. Is she out of business me or something? He goes, no, she's training her new dog. And I went, you got to be kidding me. The analogy that I use to explain why God does what he does in this life is the analogy of a, of a person with a seen eye dog. I've used that for a few years. It helps me. And he goes, yeah, my wife's training her new CNI dog. And I go, okay, I got some questions for you. Put my sermon away. And I said, tell me about it. How dear is a dog to her? And she goes, let me put it this way. It goes, my child, it goes to her, it goes, God, my children, the dog, and then me. <laughs> now, I'm sure that's not the case. And he goes on, yeah, the, the dog that she had for 10 years got too old that we had to retire and it was like a death in the family and so what she's doing these two weeks is she's having the dog trained to specifically know her down in down in Oregon and we start talking more and more and then he told me what I consider to be a really cool story this is Mike Kingston he was on the 78th floor in one of the Twin Towers on 9-11. He's completely blind. Completely. His dog led him through the smoke, the cries, the pain, the confusion, the anxiety, and depression, and the dog walked him down 78 flights of store, uh, stairs to safety. The analogy that I like to use is this. We really, if we think about it, without the word of God, without God sending people in our lives, and without God's spirit, would we be blind? Would we? And imagine the trust it takes of that blind man in the midst of the chaos, of people screaming, people running, people pushing, people fearing for their lives, and he has his hand on the dog, and he says, go. And that dog led him. 
could you imagine what kind of bond of trust would exist between that person and that dog? What kind of bond? Would it be so close that it would be beyond intimate, if that's even possible? Would it be real close? Would it? We face various things in this life because what God is asking us to do is to put our hands on Him and trust Him. Every time that I face anxiety or every time that I want to go into the dumps, the same thing. Will I put my faith and trust in the Lord or will I go to where I don't want to go? And as we put our faith and trust in the Lord and we walk through this life, the years after years, even when people sin against us, even when we do stupid stuff and God shows himself faithful and true time and time and time again. What's growing in our hearts is a trust and a relationship with the living God that the angels don't get. They see God for his power. They don't walk by faith. We do. It's almost like I'm walking through this life, Lord, you're leading the way. I've got your word. I've got your spirit. And Lord, I'm leading the way. Oh, boy, that hurts. Oh, but you're going and you lead me through. You know what's developing in you? A bond of relationship with the living God that no other creature that I know of has. God has opened himself up to the sons of Adams and the daughters of Eve for that special relationship. If you were to ask, let me ask you this. The picture of that man and his dog, let's say the man could see and the dog wasn't a seeing eye dog, but yet that was just his family pet. Would the depth of relationship be deeper? Would different, excuse me, would it be different? than if it was that that was a C&I dog. He would still love the dog. He'd be a family pet. I've got one of those. Curly. Oh, Curly. Careful, don't say anything bad about the dog. The girls are listening. I'm just kidding. but the depth of relationship because that man is blind and that dog is his way of seeing. That's what God is doing. Whenever, I would give a few recommendations here. Whenever you face something, what does the scripture say? Do not what? Do not worry or be anxious, but present it to God through prayer. Take hold of the dog. Do you know he's promised to be a part of your life? And whenever God leads you through something, or he shows himself faithful, if you write in your Bibles, write it in your Bible. If you keep a journal, write it down. This is your story of faith. 
Jot down all the different times God has shown himself faithful to you so that if you reach a point where you feel anxious and worry and you don't know what you're going to do, you can go back and look and see what God has already what? Done. He is faithful and he is true. Philippians 4, verse 4 through 7, and again, some of the same passages. Notice in verse 4, keep on rejoicing in the Lord at all times. I will say it again, keep on what? Rejoicing. Let your gracious attitude be known to all people. The Lord is what? Near. The Lord is what? Now look at the next verse. That's what I started off with. Be anxious for what? Why are we told not to be anxious? Because the Lord is what? Near. Instead, in every situation, let your petitions be made known through God, through prayers and requests with thanksgiving. Then, the God, then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your hearts and minds in union with the Messiah, Jesus. And that's the context of the passage. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is fair, whatever is pure, whatever is acceptable, whatever is commendable, if there is anything of excellent, if anything praiseworthy, keep thinking about these things. Folks, when I am facing anxiety or I'm just completely nervous about something or I'm going down in the dumps or this or that, verse 4, 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is acceptable, whatever, I start thinking on these things. What are some things that I know that are true? I am completely forgiven. I'm secure in Christ. What's another thing that's true? My eternity is where? In heaven. And I has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for me. What's another thing that I know now? I know that what I'm going through is a trial. That I'm being asked to put my trust in God or not. To take the hold of God like a seeing eye dog and walk me through this dark world or not. Sometimes you know what I do? Sometimes I just think about Mount Hood sitting above the Columbia River. Anybody ever think about that? How beautiful and majestic it is, like over the Glen Jackson Bridge? Sometimes I just think about a snowstorm. The good times that the Lord has given. Sometimes I just think about food. Come on now, I'm not the only one. You see, I have to wrestle right now. Do I go there? Do I go there? Or do I trust God? But, but, but Glenn, you don't understand my circumstances. I'm facing this, this, and this. You're right. I may not understand, but I know this. The question comes down. God has said he will be faithful. Does that make sense? He is faithful and what? 
true. Even if darkness comes around and things don't go the way we want, is God still near? And by the way, think about this one. I love this one. How long, okay, here's one of my favorite sayings. This too shall pass. Anybody ever said that? This too what? Shall pass. How long will my situation be this, this, and this, Lord? This too shall pass. You mean I just trust you during this period of time and eventually it's going to pass? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, it's eventually going to pass to the point that you're in my kingdom completely. This too will what? This too shall pass. One of the things I often think about is I think of, sometimes I just think of things that the Lord has done that just absolutely gives me a thrill. Like yesterday at the elderly, um, the retirement home, um, when we went there as a youth group, I remembered yesterday. I remember when it snowed really, really hard one time in Vancouver, which just doesn't happen enough. And I remember a snowball fight I had with my friends. It was glorious. And that was a gift from who? From God. Now I want to close out by telling one of my favorite stories from Scripture. But before I go there, I challenge you, if you deal with anxiety or you deal with getting down in the dumps, I challenge you, I, I really do, read the book of Psalms. And start with, if you got a pen or something or whatever, write it down. Start with Psalm 42. And you'll find as you read the book of Psalms, and read it slowly, as you find the book of Psalms, what you'll find is David faced the same thing. And by the way, I'm going to tell you this. I think those that sometimes fight with their, as Winston Churchill called it, his black dog moods, I think sometimes that those who fight with anxiety and depression, I think God has a special blessing in it. I really do. You see, let's think about it logically. Is God all-powerful? Raise your thumb if, if you know that to be true. Is God all-powerful? Good. Does God know everything? Good. Does God change? Does he? No. Does God love you? He's all powerful to hold you in his hands. He's all knowing to know everything. He will not take you out of his hands because he does not change. And he puts you in his hands because he loves you. You are secure in him. You read the book of Psalms. You read Psalm 42. You read David. And what you will find is David and many others in scriptures dealt with this. You're not alone. You're not alone. And all of them, when you read them, when they fought the good faith, here's what they did. I want to tell you one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It comes from a book called Lamentations. 
I've shared this before. Is lamentations an uplifting word? I mean, you want to walk up to somebody, how's your day going? Lamentations! All is weeping, lamentations. You, you get the idea? And in this most depressing name book in the Bible comes one of our greatest hymns. Now let me give you the context. Jeremiah is the prophet of God. Anybody know what his nickname was? Sorry, I'm going to teacher mode here. Does anybody know what his nickname was? His nickname? How would you like this? The Weeping Prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentations. That sort of fits. Jeremiah had the distinct honor of being a prophet as the kingdom of Judah was falling further and further into sin. He, I mean, <laughs> Jeremiah, go tell them they're sinners. They're going to throw me into a ditch. Go do it. All right. You're sinners. And in a ditch he goes. <laughs> Jeremiah, go tell them that they're listening, that the king is listening to false prophets. See, at the time, the false prophets were telling the king of Judah, everything is going to be okay. The Lord is with us. And the truth is, the Lord wasn't with the king of Judah. And Jeremiah had the distinct honor of giving the bad news. Have you ever been around one of those people where everything's going good and someone comes in and gives bad news? It's not the most pleasant experience. Because deep down inside, do we all typically want to be liked? And Jeremiah would do it. To Jeremiah, Jerusalem and the temple is where God existed, made his special presence, the Shekinah glory. To a Jew of the time, Jerusalem was everything. And Jeremiah witnessed the Babylonian Empire destroying Jerusalem. It's gone. The, the only analogy I could think of, it would be like an American living outside and watching Washington, D.C. burn to the ground. It's gone. It's all gone. It's all ruins. And Jeremiah won't even spend his last days in Israel. It's gone. The Jews, have been taken, the Jews have been taken captive to Babylon. Jerusalem has been laid waste. And to Jeremiah, he knows this. If Israel was destroyed, then that meant the blessing of God had stopped on the people of Israel for a time. Because God was doing punishment. Do you understand? So Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations is lamenting. And at one point he says this, and I wish I would have put the verse up here. He's right, a few verses right before the ones I'm going to put up there. He goes, I am so distraught that it's like I'm chewing gravel. Have you ever put gravel in your mouth? Could you imagine just right now, just imagine yourself chewing a bunch of gravel. Just, it's like chalkboard. But notice what Jeremiah says. Lamentations 3, 14 through 24. I have become a laughingstock to all my people, the object of their taunts throughout the day. 
He has filled me with bitterness and made me drink wormwood. Can you get the idea? He's a little depressed. He's broken my teeth with gravel. I did put it there. If you remove peace from my life, I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my strength is gone, as is my hope in the what? In the Lord. And then he goes on. Remember my affliction and homelessness, wormwood and gall. My mind keeps on reflecting on it, and I become depressed. That's an understatement. And then watch what he does. This is what comes to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Because of the Lord's gracious love, we are not what? Consumed. Since his compassions never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is all I have, says my soul. Therefore, I will trust him. Do you want to know what he just did? Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, he applied Philippians 4.8 before Philippians 4.8 was written. Do you notice what he said there? In midst of all of this, what was his conclusion? The Lord is all I what? Have, says my soul. Therefore, I would trust in him. Let me just put it to you this way. If the Lord is all you have, you are rich beyond belief. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man who, who finds a great pearl. He goes and sells all he has so he can possess the pearl. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds a treasure buried in a field. He goes and sells all he has so he can buy the field to possess the treasure. In that parable that Jesus told in both of them, he is the kingdom. He is the possession. He is the thing of great price. You see, if you walk through like Jeremiah and you walk through dark times and you turn and say, this I remember, this I have hope. God is faithful and true. Today I got up. Tomorrow his mercies and compassions will be new. Great is your faithfulness despite my circumstances. And I am learning to put my hand on that dog and I'm learning to walk in him and a growing bond of trust that is deep beyond comprehension of the security I have with the creator of the universe. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding fills my soul. That is glorious. Why did God do it this way? So that we could know him intimately. And to know God intimately is to possess the greatest treasure in the universe. So, I keep a journal, and I have in it the times when God has shown his faithfulness. When I wrestle with these times, I go back to Lamentations chapter 3, and I remember, great is thy faithfulness. Even when I feel this way, Rejoice always in the Lord. Why? If we go back to slide before to the diagram, this helps me. I am totally forgiven. My eternal life in the kingdom and God is maturing my what? And in conclusion, I will say this. 
Let's encourage each other to remind each other how faithful God is. That's not cliche. Lift each other up in prayer. But believer and Glenn, remember, this too will pass. You will be in my kingdom. You have been completely forgiven. And I'm using the circumstances and your physical makeup, I'm using those things to mature you to know me. All things work to good for those who love Christ Jesus. So even if you struggle with anxiety or getting down in the dumps or being depressed, God wants to turn that to work towards good. Well, thanks for listening to our sermon. Again, this has been a sermon from Axe Church in Camas, Washington. We hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. If you did, you can subscribe to our channel as well as liking and commenting. We love to hear how these sermons are impacting you. You can also take a look at our podcast series that we have out. And we'll catch you again next week.